Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. This is Aaron King with Coach Bob King, and today we're going to talk about the sports gene. It's a book, and well, BK, I'm going to let you just explain what it is and why we're talking about it. I have not read it, everybody, so this is me literally asking him questions just like you might want to ask questions. So BK, so tell me about the sports gene and why are we talking about it? Well, the thing about it, it's a book, of course, called The Sports Gene. And the, the reason we're talking about it is because I want to make sure there's a balance to the information. Now, this is not really a book review, but it's an information update. And that is, the book goes into detail about everything we already know. And, and in summary, some are born with it, some are not. Now, to that end, what that means is, in my opinion as a coach or even as a parent, you need to give your young athlete the opportunity to find out what sort of sports genes do they possess. You know, high, medium, low, uh, just show up and be great. Uh, what does that mean? So we can go through and the data's in the book, uh, global examples are in the book, and a lot of it is uh, environmental. People have grown up or populations have grown up and their bodies has adapted to the need to uh, protect themselves in cold weather, in hot weather, in cases of danger and fleeing or fighting. All sorts of circumstances have created a type of genetic predisposition for an attribute. So what sort of things, when you say the, the level of genetics or whatever, what, what are you looking for? Are we just looking for mindset? We're we looking for physical? Uh, like what I'm sure it's all of that stuff, but what what are we looking for? Yeah, let me just jump in on that right there. It's all of it. Uh, in in my coaching career, I've seen both sides of it. Uh, the the guy, one of the one of the finest young football players I had in high school, was undersized, understrengthed, <laughs> undered everything, but he was overdriven. He was out of his mind, intent on being successful playing football, and he was an asset to our team. Uh, his high school career was going to be the end of his career. So uh, he just possessed that drive, that mental, uh, uh, emotional strength. And I've seen athletes like, man, you are so gifted. Can't you just turn it on? And they don't have the desire. They can't turn it on. So there's where we hit that real kind of the dichotomy, the uh, tension, the seek for balance with uh, a possession of great talent physically and maybe not so much on the mental side. And uh, I think, you know, as, as a coach, I know, I've said more than once, you've got to win the mind game. And we see it all the time, especially in close games or in the championship of some sport. Uh, it usually is the mental toughness that's going to win out. So all of that said, the sports gene simply means that you were born and you are incredibly gifted. But that by no means means, means that we just say, oh, he's got it, he doesn't, she's got it, she doesn't. Because our job as coaches is not only just coaching, coaching is teaching, but to develop. And that's a big part of what we do, obviously, at King Sports, is develop the athlete. You know, it's funny you talk about the mental side, physical side. Tom Brady's the first guy that comes to mind. He's the most gifted competitor, perhaps, ever. Um, even Peyton Manning, you know, with that sort of work ethic and, and drive. But Tom Brady, you know, they make fun of how bad and how bad he was at the combine when he was coming out of the draft. Now, he's got he's always had a good arm, a cannon of an arm. But how smart he is and how focused he is and how locked in. And when you see that him, him sitting on the bench with his hands folded in the fourth quarter and you're up by two touchdowns, it's like you better watch out. That's that's the Tom Brady. You're up, but you're you're basically behind at this point. That's exactly, I think, one of the the strongest points to come out of what we're talking about is that um, 
you know, t- Tom Brady was not going to impress anybody with his athleticism, but his, you know, his leadership ability, uh, his uh, ability to learn and control. And, and when I say control, that means uh, the tempo of a game, uh, his ability to get the locker room in control because uh, people know that football is a quarterback's game. And so uh, if Tom Brady's in that locker room, I'm following him. So when we say that you either have it or you don't, how much in this book, I don't know how much it touched on it, but we'll, we'll start splitting hairs here. What's the compensation that you can make with work ethic and training and programming if you don't have the gift? So there, some people just don't have it. It's like, no, no, no sorry, dude. You're just, you, you do not have it. <laughs> I apologize. You're just not going to be a pro athlete. Some, you know, eh, he's okay. Oh, okay. Speed, whatever, you know, kind of undersized. But they can they can compensate with the mindset and, and the work ethic, and that's that's huge because um, I talk about it with um, athletes all the time about having a sports IQ, and that doesn't have anything to do with a knowing batting batting average of any of their uh, favorite baseball players or their any stats of their soccer players number of goals assists et cetera et cetera. That's not sports IQ. Sports IQ is knowing a game and how the game ebbs and flows and uh, you know there's a difference between practice speed and game speed and we know all, we all we all coaches know that but at game speed the really high IQ sports IQ athletes they just see things as they unfold they, they read and react we call it in football they read and react because they they can see it as it's being unfolded and they know what the play is or what's going to happen and uh, it doesn't matter it can be soccer players they do the same thing they set you up because they have such a good sports IQ they can they can dribble in one direction and kind of get you leaning and boom they counter against you and off they go so sports IQ mental emotional can help balance the lack of a sports gene and I think that's a a huge point that we all need to keep in mind because everybody has to work and this is the the this is the summary statement for me everybody has to work to reach and tap their genetic potential because it doesn't come out in a card when you're born saying here's your genetic potential and in the book I think the summary statement that I uh, read by the author was that he was quoting uh, a guy at a university who just said, well, I know we've got all the science and we can break genes down into different strands and so forth, but we could also do the same thing with a stopwatch. <laughs> and so I think, well, yeah, you're right. And so uh, uh, you light up and run them and you can go, wow, that guy's got it. And so uh, and it goes across the board. Now, I always use my reference as guys in football, but uh, we've seen it with uh, the female athletes who when it comes to, especially with volleyball and tennis and soccer, where they are, the athleticism is very, very strong. It's not only the athleticism and it's also picking the right sport and right position. I was always fast for size, but there's guys way faster, and I was not that tall. But skill stuff I had a knack for. And so you start graduate, grad, uh, gravitating towards the things where you're like, okay, hold on. I have an edge here because I'm pretty detail-oriented, and I'm talking about anyone. So maybe I should be a skill player or a field goal kicker. Maybe golf is my thing because I'm really technical or baseball versus I can – shoot the the three like nobody and dunk and rebound you know like the the pure athleticism so is there any was, was there any insights into into that into the book or do you have any thoughts 
No, the book didn't play into that so much, is except for outside the the idea of what we all know about, and that is committing or commitment to uh, an end here. And so, um, you know, in the the classic case is the the guy or girl out in the driveway at one o'clock in the morning shooting free throws because they are determined to be the best in the league or wherever they are playing, and and that kind of commitment can help uh, pull that along. And I think. One of the things that really matters the most, and I don't know if you want to just call it mental or emotional or a combination, psychological, is that, um, uh, and I'll use myself as an example, um, you know, even though I was involved in sports at various levels, you would not, well, one time, I take that back, one time you saw me at a, at a golf tournament, a charity golf tournament, and I was there to say hello and maybe grab something to eat, but to get me on a golf course happened one time. I think it lasted three holes because I don't have time for this. And that's a personality flaw, I guess. I mean, I got I train golfers. I train PGA guys. And, of course, they love the sport. And I, I'm just I'm, – certain sports I'm just not mentally able to sink myself into now or, or growing up. And I think that's a big part of it. And so if a person has a certain talent – it's very difficult sometimes to push them in that direction or lead them in that direction if they don't want to. They have to have self-discovery, and I think that's the tricky unknown when uh, young athletes are trying to pick where they want to go. To that end, I like to always say that in in oh, the lower levels, say uh, fifth grade and below, it's important to let the kids play. And what I mean by that literally is just play. You go out and you maybe you're on a team, that's fine, but you're simply playing the sport. You're not worried about winning the championship. You're not worried about the uh, all whatever team. You're just wanting them to play. And when you get to middle school, it becomes extremely structured because now you have typically a school setting with school, uh, with coaches that are, uh, that's their job. And uh, you still have the ability to play because everybody that comes on, comes out for the team is typically on the team. Get to high school, the game changes, and now we start separating. You you don't get to play just because you're on the team or you may not make the team. So uh, we have a structure built in to help identify where athletes should go to play what they're talented or gifted with. It's funny because I can't golf because I would be addicted to it. So it's the other reason why I can't golf because I would just be out there obsessing about that stupid swing. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, you, you know, you touched on something there that I think that it's some, some folks get it. Some don't, it, it gets brought up. Some folks are ex- exposed to sports versus, you know, the parent that might not have played sports and are new, newer to like some of these concepts, but playing multiple sports as a, as a youth developing, uh, I, I know of some folks who, you know, their son might be a really pretty good at baseball and they're seven years old you know and it's like well they might be pretty good and you and they might love it but before we you know dedicate 10 hours a day to this for the next 20 years let's let them play some sports have some fun develop some other skills some other teamwork you know traits that come from other sports other all the things so can you touch a little bit more on playing Developing athletes, playing multiple sports, and not focusing on one. No doubt. And I think back to the middle school and lower levels, play everything. You know, and I'm going to be very careful. I'm putting a fine print to this to say 
play everything no matter how good you are at it. Not to the detriment of the kid to where it's like they're so bad they're embarrassed and whatnot. But if you have enough aptitude to be able to, you know, function in a sport, you know, competently, play as many things as you can. Um, because as you go through uh, whatever you want, the pro ranks, uh, the dealings I had over years with uh, athletes, whether at the tennis uh, soccer level, uh, there's the crossover was huge. Uh, we were, for example, doing a pre-draft workup for uh, the Mavericks and uh, had a player from Connecticut and he was a 400 meter runner in track and he, he was good. We tested him, did the things on the court and I was looking into his background. It's like, dude, you were a 400 meter guy in high school. I want you. I hope the coaches do too. And he he was on our board and we wanted him and so did a bunch of other teams. So he wasn't there when we got to him. But he's an example where uh, you see a lot of tennis players, and especially in other countries, uh, who have a soccer background. And that's excellent because uh, there's a lot of tennis uh, uh, running. So soccer's a good developmental area. So uh, the point here is I think you want young athletes to get used to doing athletic sport things. And that running is a big one. You know, oh, I hate to run. I hate to condition. You're going to have a tough time g coming up in the ranks of any sport. So uh, uh, soccer, um, uh, lacrosse, which is a big open field game and other th things, especially with field sports, it's great to have athletes at least trying those because, first of all, they are being exposed to running and what it means to be, number one, fit, and number two, it really helps to be fast. In, it's not only that, but it's it goes back to the game speed versus practice speed. Because you're competing in other sports, you're getting that neuro imprinting in a competitive environment at a faster speed. So if you're playing competitive soccer, but you're a basketball player, all that footwork you're getting in a soccer game, soccer match while you're being challenged, pushed off the ball is different than no matter how hard the workout is we're putting you through on an agility ladder, that, that, that game speed is totally different, especially on the running side, playing basketball. I talk about this all the time is like uh, we'll, we'll create drills and do things with our uh, cone ladder, whatever we're doing. And I will put things together that are not just, you know, way out in left field or too crazy. But it's I tell the athlete, I say, look, I'm trying to give you a repertoire. I don't know if you'll ever use this. It's not a bad drill, but if you do need it, you'll recall it. Your body will recall it. If you don't need it, you may need a pattern in your foot movement that reflects that, that you have been somewhat prepared for. And then like all of us coaches, or at least even spectators would like to say, whoa, what was that? That was just a good athletic play. You didn't practice it. You didn't necessarily even visualize it. And, you know, I'm not talking about visualizing making the last second shot to win the game, but I'm talking about just doing something that no way you could have prepared for that but you have a repertoire of movements and body control and balance that allowed you to make that athletic play. All right, so for the coach who's got a, a really talented athlete, but they're having a hard time motivating them to train because the athlete's already winning, they're already top of their game, maybe in their, maybe in their division, district, or whatever, but, you know, it's hard. <laughs> Every time you get to those levels, all the best people from their district level or community get together. So you have these young athletes who have this perceived uh, level of, of success, like even though it is success, they are doing good. Uh, so it might be hard to motivate some of them and not all of them. Some kids are just natural workers, but there are athletes. We've worked with some that were blue chip, all American, uh, whatever they were. And they didn't understand why they needed to train because they were already at the top of their game, even though we were only competing maybe with our immediate community. So what are some things 
you tell a younger athlete to, to be like, listen, this is why you still have to train. Here are the benefits you can get. Here are the outcomes you're going to have, even though you're already numero uno in your immediate space. I mean, that's a huge, <laughs> a huge explanation of a problem that's not, and it's not rampant or anything like that, but it's a huge problem in the sense that if there is an athlete that has that approach, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a devastating thing in the sense of this. You have so much ability, so much potential, and you have not gotten to the near the one-tenth of it. And, of course, we all coaches say potential means you haven't done nothing yet. Now, to your point exactly, you can't do a lot for it, but I have two things that I do. One is the simplest thing that is obvious is like, you know, young man, young lady, whatever. Uh, there's going to be a day when somebody is going to come in the room or onto the field or onto the court that's just as talented as you, and they've been working their butt off since day one, and they're going to mop the floor with you. Now, you don't have to believe me, and this is not my opinion, but when it happens, you will know it. So you hope that has a little bit of an impact. What I also do, because I have the opportunity in my facility, is I will bring in a – I'll have athletes just kind of come through, and if I have, say, an individual session or something going on with a younger athlete, I'll invite the older guy, and this usually is some like – middle school and in a high school so it's not a huge gap I don't have a pro with a with a 11 year old but I'll have a a couple you know at least one level up come do some of our running work and I say I want you to see where we, where you may be headed all right and let them see what what's ahead of them because even though they say well you know they're three or four years older than I am doesn't matter that's that's coming you're you're going to meet that guy or girl so make sure you understand this is what hard work will get you if you don't work hard the biggest thing right there i think is is watching watching their attention to detail and focus you know working with nfl quarterbacks or pro anything the attention to detail and the hours spent on the simplest things i mean I, a wide receiver I've seen guys spend three hours working on a five-yard out route. They have, you know, they're not trying to make diving catches, one-hand catches. They're trying to get that that bread and butter five-yard out on the sideline. Maybe they're doing tiptoes one day. Maybe they're working on across the middle, uh, just on catching the ball and rolling. So there's no question that they, it hit the ground or not. Just those little details that you see at the pro level. And sometimes when these kids can just watch these guys work and see how they're not having you know it's always hard you, you want to heave the full court shot you want to see how far you can throw the football whereas the pro is working on the free throws the you know the pro is working on uh just maybe some some band work to get their hips stronger like just the little details uh but any any anything that we didn't touch on that from the book that you thought was a great takeaway as we're you know wrapping it up well i just think what he was saying about that you know some are born and gifted but everybody has the opportunity to find out where they can take whatever gift they have and how far they can max it so it by no means means is intended to say that uh, you don't have it sorry no room for you there is a lot of room for a lot of individuals with a lot of variability and talent and and uh, uh will to drive and drive those kind of things make a big difference. So what we want to do is encourage people to pursue excellence, uh, to understand what you just said about the details and the grind and the work. It's really great to turn on the TV and watch the big boys and girls play, you know, college and pro division one stuff. But what goes on behind the scenes in practice and what goes on behind the scenes in a uh, three month off season 
you just have to you have to be there to understand it. If you visit one day, you still don't get the picture because grind is synonymous with time. So if you're going to put in, a, you think you're going to grind it out, you better be willing to put in the time to do it. All right. Well, thanks everyone for joining us today. Uh, we will certainly revisit this topic. I think there's a lot more we could get to, but we try to keep these these episodes about this time length. Uh, so if you have any questions, just uh, reach out to Coach Bob King on Instagram. And uh, that's probably the best place to reach out. And then follow him on TikTok at Coach Bob King. And then check us out on YouTube, King Sports Training, and go to kingsportstraining.com to get all the training programs. I mean, we put it all out there. And then the newsletter we send out every week with all this information. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.